This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. The 20th anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks, as you know, is this Saturday. And we wanted to check in with someone from the Chicago area who was directly affected to hear his recollections of that day and what's on his mind two decades later. Here with us is Jonathan Markowitz of Evanston. He was working as a trader on the 85th floor of One World Trade Center when a jet crashed into the building several floors above him. Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Sasha. I appreciate it. Now, throughout this hour, we would also like to hear from you. 9-11 had a big impact on this country, our way of life, the way that we see the world, and for many of us, our day-to-day lives. And so we would like to know from you, how did 9-11 and its aftermath affect you? And what's on your mind as we prepare to mark 20 years? Jonathan, your job managing SMW Trading Company, it took you to New York monthly, right? Correct. Uh, what was your office like? And, and what happened when, as I mentioned, the plane hit just several floors above you? Our office was like any other office. You know, we had meeting rooms and there was, you know, places where we um, took care of all our clearing needs. Uh, our firm acted as a brokerage for the commodities at Four World Trade Center. And uh, it was more like a banking function and we had to do those functions every day. I was in New York um, that day specifically to give uh, seminars to the uh, new staff. I typically gave seminars about trading or about options trading or any other of the the more technical aspects of the business. So what did you notice first when the plane struck? Well, I was talking with my wife today, Ruth, and we noticed that today was a day like 9-11, beautiful, sunny, very, very clear. And it was one of those days where you look out and you go, this is just a great day. And it just seemed like just such a beautiful day out. In fact, when the planes hit, I was in the uh, conference room giving a seminar when the building moved tremendously. Almost, it felt like an earthquake. And uh, after uh, everything stabilized, our office manager, Ray, walked into the conference room and said a plane had just hit the building. And we didn't know what kind of plane it was. You know, was it a big plane? Was it a sightseeing plane? Was it a Piper Cub? He just said a plane had hit the building. And when you looked outside, it looked like a ticker tape parade. All the papers and everything was just floating in the air. Wow. So when the the building shook, I'm I'm trying to picture you in the middle of a meeting, right? Giving a presentation. Mm -hmm. The building shakes. Do you all go underneath the tables? You're thinking it's probably a typical earthquake drill? 
Well, we didn't really have time. It, the building just moved to one side so quickly and snapped back. It didn't seem to take any time at all. And the first thing we wanted to do is um, call 911 and let them know, because we knew you know, a plane had hit the building, that it had hit above the 85th floor, which we thought was really important information. Right. So then you went to the stairs. Um, we went to the stairs. We called the Chicago office, called us, and the partners there, um, uh, Marvin and Mark, were very clear that, uh, you know, you guys are okay. Get out right away. Don't worry about anything. So we gathered the staff together. We had one uh, gentleman who was in the John, um, and we got the staff together, and we moved down the staircase. So I, I just imagine that being a chaotic scene, going down all those flights of stairs. Well, you know, that's one of the interesting things that happened and one of the good rules. Now, we did have, in 93, the blind shake try to blow up the, the Board of Trade, and they did have drills, and our staff had been through that before. But the stairways were very calm, and everyone cooperated, and everyone helped each other. It was a situation, and this wasn't really apparent until we got down further, but if um, there was one young woman who was separated from her staff and everyone let her get ahead of them so she could join her staff and feel better. Oh, wow. There was another older gentleman having trouble down the stairs, and two younger guys took each arm and were helping him down the stairs. Do you remember how long it took you to climb down all the stairs? Yes. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, I have lots of information. There's a picture of me um, that appeared in People magazine right by a clock. And I was outside at about uh, 10, 10, and the planes hit the first building at about 8.45 and the second building at about 9, a little after 9. So it, it took me quite a while to get down. I actually was still inside the buildings when the first tower collapsed, which was World Trade Center 2, the second building hit. And uh, we were, as you come down the stairs, in the World Trade Center, you hit the mezzanine area where we, um, everyone, I told everyone, don't look outside. You don't know, you know, we don't know what we're going to see. And we did not have any information. And then we went down to the, the ground level. And then we went below ground to the mall level where the PATH train and the subways were. And when I got there, someone uh, yelled, everyone get down. And when I turned around, you could see building debris doors and windows coming at us fairly quickly. And that's where um, I dropped down. I had just been in that area a few weeks before with our family for a family visit to New York in the office. And uh, I knew that it was a smoothie stand. I was right by that, and it was kind of sheltered, so I was able to hide uh, right there from the uh, collapsing uh, debris. Uh, Jonathan, you wrote in a, uh, in, a, in a post titled, Godliness, Faith, in Humanity, and Surviving 9-11, we stayed calm and worked together. We sensed that if panic replaced cooperation, then no one would make it. That's really powerful. And I, I think that's a really important lesson that we all work together. You know, in the fires where everyone rushes towards the exit and the exits get jammed. But if you work together, everyone can get out and get out very quickly. And in fact, we did that. We saw the firemen coming up. Um, we saw injured people coming down that were covered in blood. So the key was to stay calm and work together. And I, I think that's one of the things we have to keep in mind in this pandemic age Yeah, is, is if we all work together, we can get through it. But if anyone, you know, separately, it'll be much more difficult to survive, uh, you know, survive all this uh, 
you know, the illness and the side effects. You've also written about injecting a bit of humor into the situation. Uh, for instance, you say when you were on the 83rd floor, you made a joke about whether or not your office should stay in the building until the lease expired in April. Right. How'd that go over? <laughs> well, you know what? It was not a popular um, comment. It was funny. Everyone said after we had gone a little, a few floors, everyone said, no, that's a really bad idea. <laughs> we also talked about the fact that, you know, whenever you have these disasters, you know, who knew what we did not know what was going on because we didn't have TVs and the cell phones didn't work. So we assumed that by the time we got down, someone would already had printed T-shirts. I survived the terror at the towers. When did you get in touch with your family? It took a while. Um, as I was descending uh, right around the 30th floor, a fireman asked to use my phone to, so I could contact uh, so he could contact the firehouse, but because we were inside, you know, it's a steel and concrete building, none of the cell phones worked. And by the time I got out and the buildings had collapsed, uh, everyone, you know, there was no communication at all. And all the pay phones, and they still had pay phones back then, um, were, had long lines. So I began to walk uptown. Uh, I was staying at... Um, uh, right around uh, Union Square, and as um, we had an apartment there, and as we were moving up towards that area, uh, when I got to Chinatown, there was a print shop opened, and I was able to call my wife. It was about an hour after the uh, first building collapsed. You mentioned that famous photo that ran of you in People magazine. Uh, what is it like for you, Jonathan, to have that moment immortalized in a photo that many people that you're never going to meet have seen. I think it's important to talk about the positive aspects of, of 9-11. And I think if you look at myself, um, and then it was a staffer next to me, um, Rob, and we were looking at the woman in the picture, and everyone was helping everybody else. Behind us, we were looking at her to make sure she would be okay. Behind us, I had a staffer, uh, Bill, who was helping another woman out, and, and she was you know, not in good shape and helped her find um, a way home or to her husband. Uh, many people helped everybody out. Uh, New Yorkers who are not known for being horribly friendly all became the friendliest people on earth, and everybody helped everybody else. And if you needed a ride, you got a ride, and if you needed a place to stay, you got a place to stay. Um, it, it was an amazing transformation the cooperation and the friendliness and the help everyone was willing to give everybody else. And I think that's the message from that picture. It looks stark. It looks like a Godzilla movie. But in fact, the underlying tone is, who do we need to help? Who do we need to help get to a safe place, get back to their family? Let's hear from a caller. We've got Shiva on the line in Lakeview. Hi, Shiva. Thanks for joining the conversation. Hi, thanks for listening. Uh, so you asked a couple of things. One, how it changed and affected our lives and also the initial experience. Then, I'm sorry, I'm in my car pulled over. We, I worked in an organization called Asian Human Services, and we sat there watching the TV, Muslim women, Pakistanis, myself, absolutely horrified like everyone else. But we knew... We, they were terrified to come out of the door outdoors. They were really frightened. 
they knew there would be backlash. And as you know, there was terrible uh, hate crimes increased, especially on the Sikh community, because we're the folks who wear a turban and have a beard in America. Mm-hmm. Um, how it changed. Before 911, uh, everyone would give hassle me all the time, you know, make jokes. Bug, who are you? Bug, you know, bug me about my turban. But you can always talk to them or, you know, make a joke or lighten it up. After 911, it changed everything. We couldn't make jokes anymore. People were way more violent, way more threatening um, for years and years. And now, <clears throat> the, with the rise of the Taliban, uh, the Sikh community is again anticipating hate crimes again because of the misunderstandings about who Sikhs are. Yeah. Uh, so, Shiva, is that something that you are preparing for then? Backlash well, again? Well, when you say prepare, the only way that I can prepare for it is I look around. You know, I don't put myself in situations that are dangerous. Um, when I, <laughs> I learned many years ago that I always, I'm sorry, I'm in the street. I always, when I stop at a stop sign or I'm, I'm driving, uh, when I stop behind a car, I always leave myself three or four feet. Mm-hmm. So if I have to move quickly, I can get out of the way. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what else to do, except there's a na- an international effort by various sick communities to educate more people, you know, to re-educate about who we are. And we're thinking about, we're having an event this weekend where we're going to be talking about, at this lo- one of the Sikh temples, yeah. where we're going to be talking about these issues. Well, we appreciate you sharing that uh, with us, Shiva. Thanks for your call. Jonathan, what kind of impact would you say that your experience uh, being in the building that day had on you and and how you view the world and and world events and even other people? Well, I I try very hard since that time to be more active in the community and also to um, learn as much as I can and as we talk about different, you know, the different hate crimes and the, and the fear people have, try to um, be positive and uh, lead by example. So it, for me, it is trying to change the future and trying to be a better person um, that I've been, that I've undertaken. What do you think about this anniversary coming up during a pandemic? Because, you know, if there was ever another time when helping each other is important, this would be it. Well, you know, the pandemic is such a, a separate issue, and it has a whole different overlay, but the, the basic rule and the basic principle stays the same. Uh, we work together on this. And I was thinking, and it sounds a little ridiculous if you don't believe in the vaccines, I think it's important to understand we live in a community and it's important to get the vaccine because we're in a community and and it's part of the community. Um, And I think the cooperation from inside the towers and on the streets would be really helpful now to have so we all can get vaccinated and get through this, you know, really trying time. Yeah, you went through something incredibly traumatic 20 years ago, but Talking to you today, Jonathan, I can tell that you're a hopeful person. What gives you that hope? 
Um, the people around me give me hope. When you see things that are trying to get better, people are trying to work on improving what they see as the, um, the problems that they observe. It's not something that will happen overnight, and I don't know if it will ever be accomplished. But it's important to start, and it's important to take the first step. And those are the rules I'm following. It's not important that I complete the task. It's important that I start the task. That is Jonathan Markowitz of Evanston. He survived the 9-11 attack on one World Trade Center. Thank you so much for sharing your experience with us, Jonathan. Take care. Thank you, Sasha. And that's it for today's Reset. For more of our interviews, subscribe to this podcast. And please give us a rating and review. It really helps other people find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.